Hello, I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, a child psychologist, entrepreneur, and mum with a passion for problem solving and family adventures. Join me each week for practical tips and on-air consultations with the smartest, kindest parents and their incredible kids. Find answers faster, do things differently, and take your family further. This is impressive. This episode is sponsored by brightchild.com. Now let's get started. This is episode number 14, and we're talking this week about screen withdrawals. I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, and this is a very common issue at the Quirky Kid Clinic, particularly with the game Fortnite. I hear that name a lot for primary school aged boys. So boys between the age of 7 and 12 years, even slightly older, I'm sure most parents will have heard of the game of Fortnite and it is something that is highly addictive and the withdrawals can be quite aggressive as well as very emotional and very upsetting for people who are really into using screens as a way to communicate with their friends and to use a lot of their downtime or their recreational time playing this game or others that are quite similar. So this week's episode is dedicated to screen withdrawals because I know a lot of parents will be battling with this issue as in Australia, the summer holidays are wrapping up. That's our biggest six-week break from school throughout the year. And this can be a time when lots of boundaries and rules come into play, particularly in the classroom. But before kids go back into the classroom, most parents are starting to get some order, some more routine in place so that that transition is easier for the end person. So let's get started. So this week on Impressive, we're going to stick with our Q&A format, which has been very helpful for me during our summer holidays because it's a whole lot faster to edit. I don't need to listen to a recorded interview again. I can just uh, line up a string of listeners' questions and then I can come up with responses on the spot, which makes for a very quick episode production. Um, given that I'm not in the office over summer and I needed to do some of these um, pre-recorded. Now, the reason I came up with screen addiction or screen screen withdrawals as one of my topics is because usually uh, when school returns, that's one of the biggest issues that I hear from teachers um, and also from parents that's impacting young children in terms of their focus. So it's not something that is a behavioural issue. It's more, I see it as, well, a product of the gaming industry. They've created some games that are highly addictive and they're purposely developed to be addictive, just like poker machines are highly addictive for adults. Some of the gaming, the games that young people play are also highly addictive and very interactive and very stimulating and very interesting and also very social. So you can understand why they want to play them more and more. Um, at the detriment to their physical well-being because often kids are not spending enough time outdoors doing exercise and they're doing screens, entertaining themselves on screens instead of doing a whole host of other things. So this episode is about navigating children's screen withdrawals but it's also about broadening children's interests because that's the first step when it comes to navigating the withdrawals is to Make sure that there's a lot of other structure, stimulation and excitement going on outside of the screen, which will be a nice distraction for that, that young person when they're experiencing these withdrawals. So let's hear from our first listener with the question, how can I help my child prepare for a digital detox? 
So this is quite common. Listeners talk about digital detoxes when they're going on holidays, but it's often the case that when kids go back to school, they're also experiencing a digital detox. And that could be that they go from using, you know, up to four hours of screen time per day, maybe more in some cases, to maybe just using their screens for one hour per day on the weekend or even less only when they've um, earned screen time as a reward, perhaps in exchange for some physical exercise or um, in exchange for some jobs around the house. So using it only as a motivator and only rewarding on weekends because that way outside of school hours during the week, students are socialising face-to-face or engaged in some other sorts of structured activities, which is, you know, around skill development, like swimming or um, some sort of athletics activity or a social activity like tennis or chess club, whatever that happens to be, art, music, all of those extra skills that are also lifelong skills, which are really important, I believe more important than uh, gaming. And I also believe that screen time, social time, although it's an opportunity for some kids that are quite withdrawn to socialise, I think that it's just the very first step when it comes to developing social skills and parents should continually push for face-to-face engagement with their peers um, because kids can get quite stuck in screen time social activities, so just talking through a speaker with their headset on, and that's actually not necessarily developing their social skills. It's more a holding pattern. It's It's not developing them beyond being able to speak and look at a screen. It's lacking eye contact and the body language that's involved in a typical to-and-fro conversation. Um, It's not teamwork. It's, in my opinion, just somebody engaged in banter that doesn't have a lot of meaning or a lot of skill behind it. So I would suggest parents don't mistake socialising on screen um, during the course of a video game as developing social skills. So let's talk about those withdrawals. And this is possibly one reason why I do feel quite negative towards the gaming companies that have developed some of these really addictive games for young people, because the withdrawals can be quite emotional for young people that are beyond that stage. So in other areas, they wouldn't be crying and they wouldn't be losing their temper. But when they are put in front of a very highly addictive substance, they are unable to control their emotions. So when that substance is taken away, just like a drug or like uh, someone who is uh, addicted to gambling, there is a huge um, stress reaction and this desperation that they need to get back in front of that, that substance that's giving them the hit. So for parents, that can look like very loud screaming, grabbing at the device, shoving, pushing, and even threatening physical harm or using emotional kind of hooks or triggers, mean words, put-downs, name-calling, I don't love you, those kinds of things that can be quite distressing for parents. And those are just part of the meltdowns. So don't feel like it's um, really impacting on your parent-child relationship. It's actually just a symptom of the withdrawal symptom from that device. So you're not doing your young person any harm by taking that device away you won't be impacting on the parent-child relationship in the long term. In the short term, yes, it can feel to most parents that I've impacted, uh, that I've worked with in the clinic, 
it can feel like there is a decline in the parent-child relationship during the first three to four to five days, just in that first short-term period of the withdrawal. But it will be worthwhile. Let me reassure you that kids that I've seen that have reduced their screen use and have come back to the clinic after a week or even two weeks, the results seem to continue to improve. So kids will use more eye contact, more humor, um, more, you know, interesting conversation. They're talking about things that I haven't heard them talk about rather than like kind of wanting to wrap up the session, wanting to, you know, being really lethargic, flopping around either on the chair or under the table. Those are the symptoms that I see when kids are withdrawing from screen time. They don't really want to participate in family activities and they certainly don't necessarily want to talk to a psychologist about their screen use. But over time, with boundaries in place and a slow weaning off from that device, psychologists um, that work with children are very capable of helping parents to navigate that period of time through the screen withdrawal without violence and without needing to lock things away necessarily. So let me just give you an example of a really extreme case that I've worked with. In that case, it was a 16-year-old boy that uh, was actually being quite aggressive towards one of his parents. So it was a single parent household and he was quite aggressive to the parent that he was living with. He was also refusing to go to school. So there was a serious addiction going on and the school was involved and we had case conferences to try and uh, work together to encourage that young person to come back to school. And there were some there was actually the locking away of the device um, towards the end of my involvement. This young person was um, breaking locks, damaging property within the household, locking his parents out of the house. So let me just, another another client that I worked with, eight-year-old boy, threw a massive rock through the window of their house when the parent locked him outside so he couldn't access the screen. So I guess what I'm telling you with these anecdotes is that screen addiction is real, Kids are not thinking logically when they're reacting to those withdrawals. And so please don't escalate the situation by considering it a behavioural issue that you need to get on top of. It really won't help the situation if you're also emotionally escalated. So try to give as much warning as possible that there's going to be a decline and try and engage that young person in some dialogue around what they would like to have happen as you as they start to withdraw from their screen use. So it could be that you drop down just an hour a day less for a period of like one week and then, you know, you continue dropping it down until you're at a level that you feel comfortable with. Based on the research, two hours of screen use per day is sufficient and more than enough for a young person below the age of 16 years. Um, So that's primary age up to 16 years. When you consider how much homework older high school kids are doing or secondary school kids are doing that's inclusive of the two hours so it's not two hours of uh, gaming on top of homework or tv it's total screen time that includes ipads phone use so they're going to use that up pretty quickly and it's really important as parents to model you know limits when it comes to your screen use so that's how you prepare a young person for a digital detox step one you talk to them about your idea, get some feedback on it and work out some middle ground on how you can negotiate a gradual decline and set a time frame for that decline. So it may be reducing one hour per week, 
over the next three weeks or it could be dropping two hours uh, per week depending on where you're up to and where you want to get to. So decide on that as your goal because you're the parent and you get to set those rules that you're comfortable with. You don't need to be manipulated or pressured into going beyond what you're comfortable with and you can stick to the research and base it on what you don't want to have happen. You don't want academic decline and a reluctance to engage in face-to-face social activities. You want Most parents do want a young person with a broad range of interests who's doing well academically and socially and who's physically fit. So those are your motivators. And as a good-intentioned or a well-intentioned parent, you know, you're within your rights to set those limits and you don't need to feel that, that you're doing your young person any harm at all. Okay, next question. What can parents do to minimise screen withdrawals? So the withdrawals are the part where things sometimes get out of hand and there can be a lot of yelling. Um, sometimes young people will slam things down, throw down, um, you know, gaming handsets and things like that. So number one is to just have a family meeting, usually first thing in the morning before they're using their screens when everyone's calm, has had a good rest, had a feed and talk about what is not okay within your household. So throwing valuable objects is not okay because we don't want to damage things that we've worked hard for. Screaming, insulting people is not okay. So set your uh, house rules so that the young people are clear on what's reasonable and what's not. And if you've seen some behaviours in the past that you're not comfortable with, I would suggest you bring it up, but you kind of minimise it in your Uh, in the words that you choose. So we've had some minor outbursts. We've had some some pretty loud disputes, perhaps. You might feel like that's minimising, but the young person will know exactly what you're talking about and what you're not comfortable with. You don't need to dwell on it for more than two minutes. Keep it brief so you can sustain their attention. And then just work straight towards what you're looking for. So you're looking to set, if you're looking to set a daily limit at one hour, Um, of screen time then you're going to let them know when that hour can take place if that's what you'd like to do set some structure around it or you may wish to break it up so they'll get 15 minutes after doing four jobs around the house and they get 15 minutes in exchange for a job so just putting that structure into place is usually what young people respond to because that's what they're used to at school what sort of things have you found helpful as a parent when it comes to setting screen limits i'd love to hear from you if you'd like to drop me an email at support at quirkykid.com.au that's support at quirkykid.com.au i will include your feedback in future episodes so please do subscribe to the impressive podcast and then you'll be the first to hear the episode when it comes when it's live and you can hear me feedback about what listeners listeners have said about uh, what has worked with screen time withdrawals for their young people. It does differ depending on the age. So if you're a mother of or a father of toddlers, you'll probably know <laughs> pretty clearly what a screen time withdrawal looks like. It's often a lot of shrieking and back arching, and it can look like a really serious tantrum that lasts quite a lot longer than any other trigger so it could be that this young person doesn't like having carrots on their plate a little bit of a um, protest will probably take about you know two to five seconds Uh, screen time withdrawal protest 
could take up to 15 minutes. So highly addictive for toddlers and not recommended as something to, um, to fill their time because you don't want that to lead to more screen use as they mature. Yeah, so, this, so screen withdrawals do look different over time, but they do tend to escalate. Yeah, it can, like I used in that example before, it can get to the point of um, physical uh, confrontation, which is just what we don't want in any any family. So please do try and be respectful with the way that you manage screen withdrawals, not putting your hands on the young person or on the device, if you can help it, because you don't want to get into a tug of war. Um, but setting some limits beforehand with some reasonable reasonable expectations. So using a timer, when the timer goes off, uh, you can even use like a, a setting within the home that all the internet shuts off at a certain time, which can be helpful so that parents and, and children are using the same limits. Um, and that's good role modelling. All right, last but not least, I want to wrap up with one really good question from a listener who says, how can I help my child expand their interests outside the home? Great question. So when it comes to expanding interests, it's good to use a diagram. So at the clinic, I tend to use like a visual for most of the issues. And for this one, I use an upside down triangle. So it looks like a funnel. Um, and at the very top, it's a tip with a little opening, which is where at the very pointy top is the screen time which is a very narrow end. And then it broadens out into the, the wider side of the triangle or the wider side of the funnel, which is the broader interests. So think to yourself, what sort of things do you do that, you know, broaden your interests? Do you research different activities that are on in your area? Or go and have a look at a notice board next time you're at a sporting venue? Do you pick up flyers? And then stick them up on the fridge and consider joining, you know, a ladies bike riding group or a kayaking club or a singing group. There's so many different things that you could look into, a book club, whatever it is that you're into, dance, lesson. Put those flyers or those bits of information up around the house so that your young person can see that you do have really broad interests and you're not just locked into one thing. And that's a good way to role model um, broadening your interests. Step two is to encourage your young person to do some research on what sort of activities they may be interested in in your local area. So it could be a local surf comp that they want to go and watch or it could be in serious cases where they really are so heavily into gaming. It might be that they want to go to a live gaming event at um, an area but like a, a bigger venue in your capital city sometimes these things happen where it's like big screens and a lot of very keen minecrafters or um, all together in the same huge venue which can be an opportunity for kids to have real life social interaction which is better than sitting alone and doing too much screen time for too many hours so do think about what sort of things they might be interested in some parents have taken their kids away on a trip to start to reduce their dependence on their screens, even if it does mean bringing the iPad for a brief period, at least it's reducing what they would be using at home. And when your young person is broadening their interests, sometimes they're a little bit shy, um, a little bit out of practice, and a bit reluctant to join a new social group. So just do some zooming in slowly. So circle the venue maybe on the first week that it's on, 
or you might get a free lesson that you can just circle around, stick your head in, have a look through the door, listen to the music, have a look at the instructor, check out the car park, just try and, um, and zoom in as closely as you can for that first week. Or if you go and do some research in the, the term before the new term starts, you can have a look at the age of the kids that are participating and hopefully spike an interest in your young person when it comes to doing something new. When was the last time your young person did something new? Usually, when you come and look at um, developmental psychology, kids are generally learning new skills between the ages of four and eight years. So that's when they're starting swimming lessons and doing music classes. And parents become quite accustomed to taking kids to new venues, testing out a you know, one-off ballet lesson, deciding that's not what they want to do, or um, going to a play group, whatever it happens to be. That is definitely a skill for parents when it comes to navigating a new activity, deciding whether they like it, whether that time frame fits their family schedule. So just because kids are slightly older, if you're looking at that 8 to 14 age range, please feel free to continue researching and checking out options in your area or even outside of your area because kids that age also need to try new things and develop new skills because that will boost their self-esteem. When you're talking to friends or um, extended family members about what that young person is doing, you will notice that they generally feel pretty positive when you mention all the different activities they're doing and how well they're doing in a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, if you're speaking negatively about, you know, I can't get him out of the house, he doesn't want to go to the beach, you know, that just becomes a spiral of low self-esteem and reluctance to participate. And then parents get frustrated with that resistance. That can be a time when psychologists get involved and it can even look like depression when kids are so flat, they don't want to participate. But I see that as part of the screen addiction. So please do go and talk to your school counsellor or um, another psychologist in your local area, or even have a look online at the Quirky Kid website. We have some great fact sheets there. You can find out some more um, resources to look into for managing screen addiction. But it's probably best if you set up a Skype or a telephone call with a psychologist, and we'd be really happy to help you to develop your own withdrawal plan. Um, and that could look like um, a family plan of how you're all going to manage it certain times of the day, which are your peak times, and that's the time when kids are most often triggered. It could be Saturday morning when they get to use their screens, and it can sometimes start quite early, you know, like 5 a.m., when parents are not going to be able to do much in terms of supervision because they're tired. So trying to navigate that as a family is often a good place to start. So if you'd like to set up a family session at Quirky Kid and you're based in the Sydney area, we can do that. Or we're happy to have a session via Skype. So check out quirkykid.com.au if you'd like to find out more. Or if you'd like some resources, we also have a bookshop where we've curated a whole bunch of different books and games and things that are helpful for parents, children and teachers. So you can have a look at therapeuticresources.com.au and you'll also see some quirky kid resources there as well. Thanks so much to um, our listeners out there who are listening to Impressive as we wind up, uh, if you're listening in real term, the last of the summer holidays in Australia. 
And if you're listening overseas, please do drop us a line. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at support at quirkykid.com.au and I will read your response or your feedback in a future episode. If you haven't already done it, please do click subscribe on your podcast app so you get to hear the Impressive Podcast each week as it drops. I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien. It's my pleasure to bring you Impressive and I hope to have you with me again next week. This was Impressive.